So in today's episode, I talk a lot about my first time becoming a supervisor and what it felt like to have this really surreal experience where I just didn't recognize myself. I was so excited for the opportunity, but it felt so foreign to me when I actually got the position. And I talk about some of the things that I I do with my team and how I run my one-on-ones. And honestly, going through this episode and (laughs) really thinking about it, it was so cringy for me because I just remember thinking about how awesome it was to be a boss and, you know, like channeling this boss attitude, but not really feeling it. It was just so surreal to me. And I really just wanted to make this episode so that if there are other women out there who are having the same experience as me, because most of the time we get into these positions, they drop us off like kids at daycare and say, okay, have fun and check in every once in a while, but they don't really tell us what to do or what to expect. It can be super daunting and you feel like an imposter. So I hope that this resonates with you. If nothing else, maybe you get a chuckle at the way that I was. And because I know I did listening back to it, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But you know, we, we move on, we grow from these experiences and I would love to hear about yours. My information is in the description. Really hope you enjoy this. what a better way to start the podcast than tell you where I began when I became a supervisor, leader, boss, whatever you want to call it. I had never done anything in leadership before I became a boss. In fact, I had always been that employee who was striving to be the change in everything. So when I saw a problem, I fixed it. When I wanted to rally people up, I did. And I never once thought about the fact that being a boss is different than someone doing those things. What I mean by that is, I remember working so hard and seeing that a position was going to open that I really wanted. It was a position that was there quite a while ago that had never been filled and they took it off the market and then they put it back on the market I remember making it clear to my boss that I wanted that position and that I was ready for that position. And looking back now, I don't think I really was ready for that position. I guess I really didn't think that it was much different than what I was doing. Oh my gosh, was I wrong. So after a while, I mean, I continued to do the work uh, because there was no supervisor in that position. I filled in like I usually do and was a total overachiever and ended up finally getting the job once it posted. I didn't have to interview. I didn't have to any of that, which is a whole nother story for another day. When I got that position, I was so excited, but also so ridiculous. And I mean that in a way of looking back now, I remember feeling on top of the world. I had a new position. I had a title. I was going to make changes in the world. I was going to just 
mess things. I was just going to get, I was just going to get in there and I was going to do all the things that I couldn't do before. And something happened when I stepped into what became my office. I remember thinking, wow, I've really, really made it. And then reality hit. (laughs) I mean, reality hit. Suddenly I was in charge of other people. Suddenly I had all kinds of training I needed to do as a supervisor. And I'm not talking how to be a supervisor. I'm talking about those HR trainings that you have to take where, hey, don't mess up because here's all the things about sexual harassment. Here's all the things that you have to make sure you do with performance measures. Here's all the annual, you know, all the legal stuff you have to do where you have to go and, you know, now you have to be in charge of someone's time card. There were so many things that I did not equate (laughs) to being a boss that I was dumbstruck. This fantasy that I had about being a boss was shattered. And I remember thinking, what the heck did I sign up for? Now, of course, me being the overachiever I am, I wasn't about to hightail it out of there. I wasn't about to go, okay, my guess this isn't for me. I'm going to quit. I decided I was going to obviously go all in. There was really no other choice. And I was super, I was still really excited about it. This is what I really wanted. I've, you know, I'd always wanted to be a boss. And so I dug in after all of those HR silly classes. Uh, I just focused on what I needed to do to what, what did look looking like a boss? You know, what was looking like a boss? And I remember, I remember it being a lot of trial by fire. And I know I mentioned that in the last episode, but it really, truly was trial by fire. First, let me set the stage. I had no supervisor. In fact, I was the only supervisor in my department at the time. And the other pseudo supervisor led their own team. We were in the same department, but they led their own team and really didn't have anything to do with our team. So I was left asking or answering a lot of questions. It was it was a lot, but I was up for it because I had been in this department for years. So it was nothing I couldn't answer. But then when reality struck and I realized that now I'm actually the one making decisions for my unit and quite possibly this entire department, it, it was both exciting, it was actually kind of exhilarating, but also the imposter syndrome totally crept in. I don't know if you have ever experienced that before, but I went totally crazy in the sense that I, it's like I woke up one day and I said, but who am I as a leader? Like, what does this really mean? And so... <laughs> Of course, what did I do? I went to Barnes and Noble. I went to Borders. I went to Amazon. I went and I looked for every single book that I could to figure out what I should do as a boss, who I should be, how I should act. I know, see, it sounds really silly. How I should act, what I should say. This is how crazy I went. And you know what I found? I found that those books told me how to do things, 
but they were only on the surface level. They did not tell me who I was as a leader. And when I say that, I mean, what is my leadership style? And nobody could, could, I don't care if I had a boss or not. I don't think anybody could have saved me from that moment and said, well, of course, Sarah, here's who you are as a leader. Because I needed to believe it for myself. So what ended up happening was I read all of these books. And when I tell you I read all these books, I'm going to say that I probably read at least eight to 10 books on the subject of leadership. I bought books like How to Delegate, <laughs> How to Engage Government Workers. I, I did not even touch the ones that were like Brene Brown style, where they talk about how your emotions, you know, well, I'm sorry, how like vulnerability. And I'm really glad I didn't because I really think that would have messed me up even more. <laughs> But to give you an example, I I ended up reading a book about one-on-ones. And there was a whole chapter on one-on-ones and how you should have a one-on-one with your staff. And I I read it and the next day I said, "Okay, this is how I'm going to run my one-on-one." Now the book said you should have an agenda. You should make sure that there's time for them to talk, there's time for you to talk. You should always have um action items. You should always be following up on things. And it was very formulaic. It was, it was how I approached just about everything at that moment. Very formulaic. And I remember my one-on-ones being so nerve-wracking to me because all I kept thinking about, I wasn't really even focused on what they were saying, which, you know, now I understand that's actually the point of a one-on-one. But <laughs> I, I wasn't really even focused on what they were saying. I was more focused on, okay, Sarah, if they say this, you should say this. As if it was like I was playing a game and I needed to make sure that I got the right answers and I put the puzzle pieces in the right place. And that was somehow going to unlock my one-on-one. And... I never really looked at them the way that they should have been, which was obviously now I understand one-on-one should be the time for the employee to talk to me about what's going on, like what they need help with, how things are going. And it's really for them, uh, the time, my personal opinion is really for them, not so much for me. Yes, we follow up with things, but I I was so rigid. And I remember, <laughs> I remember writing down everything they said, as if I was documenting the entire conversation. And it felt so rigid. And it, and after a few of those, I kept trying to tell myself, but this is how I'm supposed to do it. But in my mind, all I kept thinking was, this is not how I want to do it. Like This does not feel like me. I want to have conversations. I don't feel like I can have a conversation with people when I'm constantly thinking about how I should be responding in this moment or making sure when they leave, they have action items and that I have to follow up on them. And I remember feeling totally out of my body for a lot of the, the time that I was uh, first starting as a, as a supervisor. Everything to me felt foreign, even meetings with my team. So get this. My, 
I was so excited to have a team of people. I remember going through the books that I had found and decided, you know what, I need some books on teams because I need to build my team. Now, I'd worked with these people for years. The, 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 the people that I oversaw now had been my friends and coworkers for quite a long time. So it wasn't as if we were in this dire state where we didn't like each other. But I thought, you know what? I am their leader now, and I need to make sure that I build some sort of team rapport. And they didn't have any structure before, so I'm going to build structure Oh boy. I mean, thinking about it now, I'm just, I just cringe. So the first thing I did was we had, we had our team meetings once a week. And I remember one of the first meetings might've been the first, I'm not sure, sitting down after a a day or two of planning how our team meetings were going to go. I sat down with them and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. The meetings now are going to be handled this way. We're going to have an agenda. You're going to bring any items to me that you need to put on the agenda. And then everybody's going to go around the room and you're going to give me one thing that you're working on and something that you might need help with. Oh, and by the way, we're going to start every single meeting with an icebreaker. Silence, dead silence. You could have... Yeah, it was just silent. (laughs) You could have heard a pin drop in that room as people were looking at me going, huh? And I remember just being so excited about these icebreakers. So the night before, I would plan out what the icebreaker would be. And let let me put a stop here and tell you just how many people I had on my team because you'll probably laugh. I had four people I was over, I was supervising. Four people on my team. You can't do a lot of icebreakers with four people. And like I mentioned, they already knew each other. The whole point of icebreakers is to get to know each other. But you know what? Sarah was forging on. So I would have icebreakers like, here's here's uh, an advertisement. You need to make an advertisement. I would come in with, with markers. I would come in with flip chart. Now, the other thing I want to mention is these meetings were only 30 to 45 minutes. So the icebreaker would probably take about 15, 20 minutes. So since there were only four people on the team, there would be two sub teams, right, of two people. And so they would have to work together to put something together most of the time. And in this instance, it was an advertisement. So they would have to come up with some imaginary, didn't even relate to the work we're doing, by the way, item or something they could sell. And then they would have to, on the flip charts with the markers, they would need to (laughs) draw an advertisement. And then lastly, yes, all in 15 and 20 minutes, that lastly, they would have to tell us their advertisement as if they were a commercial and let us know how to buy this. Oh, it gets better. So after uh, I would have them do these things, I would sit there and it's funny because I was at the head of the table and I just remember beaming. Oh, this is so embarrassing. But I was beaming at them thinking, oh my gosh, this is so great. I'm, I'm watching this happen in real time. The, the team is loving this. I just know they're loving this and, and they're getting to know each other and it's just so great. They would finish the icebreaker. I would say, okay, so what did we learn? What, what, how do we apply this to our work every single day? First of all, I am not, 
I am not saying that icebreakers aren't great. I'm not saying, because you will never hear me say this, that team activities do not work or you should not do them. Looking back, this was not about my team building. This was more about me, Sarah, feeling like she was in charge because I was the boss. And it wasn't a power trip. I don't want you to think that. It was more that I was trying to figure out what this role was And this is what I felt like this role was. And looking back on that, we wasted a lot of time doing those things. I won't tell you that we didn't have some that were really fun. In fact, I'll probably tell you in other stories some of the other ones that we did. But eventually those trailed off. One, I just started to see that it was getting really stale. Two, I couldn't come up with as many as I wanted to. And three, I could just tell my staff were just not really into them. And we had other stuff to do. Like when we met, we had a lot of things to talk about. So it just wasn't practical. But this goes back to the whole thing I was saying of trial by fire. I think it was months, months before I actually figured out that I needed to to find my own way in leadership. It's really true what they say, where you have to pick a style and you, f- you find your style, your leadership style, and you go with it. I probably, I probably tried out a few styles before I figured out my own style. What I ended up on my style, when I was trying to, to try some of them out, I was looking at other people and what they were doing. So eventually, I did end up getting a boss. I think it was a month or two after I started my position and I was really just having a lot of problems because I my team was wonderful and they worked with me through the whole thing. It was really just me going home almost every single night saying to myself, "Why? How did I get this job? What am I doing? Did I do I even deserve this job? Like what am I doing? Who am I right now?" And I remember thinking, "I I should just find another job. Like being a supervisor was not for me. I I do remember that. It was super frustrating. It was like, it was like being in high school and trying, like going through puberty again and trying to figure out, well, who am I? Like, am I this person now or am I that person? And when I, when I did end up getting a boss, they were very different than myself in terms of personality. They were very great in the fact that they recognized that I was floundering. So they even decided, okay, let's do a book, a book study together and we'll, we'll figure this out, which was good because we got to know each other during that time. But eventually they said to me, you know, Sarah, I think maybe you need to stop reading the books because I think the books are giving you way too much information and you're just not able to make sense of it yet like you're you're doing this one day and then you're doing that the next day because I I kept telling them how much I was really struggling with this so eventually I thought okay well the way that they're leading that must be the way but that didn't feel good to me either they were more of a um they just they just didn't have the same type of personality that I did which was I liked to have more lighthearted conversations. I wanted to be the rah-rah team leader. 
I wanted to be the person who walked up to people's desk and go, hey, how you doing? How, you know, regardless of my title, that's the, that's the leader that I wanted to be. I wanted to be the one who was the supportive person. And I knew that that's the direction I needed to go. But here's the kicker. I didn't feel like I could do that. That had never been modeled for me. And that's an important thing to say. It had never been modeled for me before. The, the bosses that I, have, I had always had in the past had always been very strict, straightforward. They were great bosses, don't get me wrong. They were just, they were just more in the vein of this is business. We're doing business, you know, and if you have a problem, you can come and talk to me. But outside of that, there's, you know, there's nothing else to discuss. I wanted to be different. I wanted to, I, it's not that I wanted to be everybody's friend. Don't, don't get me wrong there. I just wanted to make sure that people knew that they were valued, that people, people knew that they could come to me and ask me any, any kind of question they wanted to, and we could have the hard discussions. I remember wanting that so badly that when I tried to do it, it just, it just felt like I shouldn't do it because no one else had done it before. And that was a really disheartening feeling because I remember just feeling so different in my mind the whole time I was trying to lead. The whole time I was with my team, I wanted to be that fun boss. I wanted to be that, hey, let's let's powwow and try and figure this, this out instead of, hey, here's your task. Let me know when it's done. Let me know what you need in order to get it done. And it was just very strictly business. And it didn't feel good. And so eventually I started to try it out on my one-on-ones. And the more that I tried it out on my one-on-ones, the more confident I felt that if I just threw out the rule book, if I just threw it out, maybe I'd be okay. So I tried a little here and a little there. And eventually, you know what happened? One day I just said, screw it. I'm going to be the person I want to be as a leader And if it doesn't look like anybody else, that's okay. It's got to be okay because I will never survive. I will never survive in this position if I'm not myself. And you know what happened? I was fine. In fact, I was better than fine. I started to find my footing. I started to understand a lot more about myself and how I fit into this position that's not to say that I didn't revert back sometimes. And that's not to say that I did not make mistakes because I obviously did so much so that I felt like I needed to have a podcast about it. What I learned in those first few months of becoming a supervisor slash leader, because you can be both, I needed to trust myself. I needed to trust that even if it wasn't modeled for me, that I had the wherewithal or the, the, the information that I needed or whatever it looked like, I was going to be okay even if I made mistakes. Obviously, you don't want to make the big HR mistakes, but at the same time, I wanted to be myself. And once I did, I noticed that my staff started warming up and it didn't feel like a very rigid relationship with them. It didn't feel like a a boss-employee relationship. It felt like 
a team, which is all I really wanted. That's all I really wanted. I just wanted us to be a team. How I could help you, great, let me know. I might come and walk up to your desk and say, hey, how was your weekend? And we can, you know, talk for a little while and just have fun and then transition into work. Or when we have our meetings, maybe it's just we have a little bit of banter in the beginning and then we just get right into work. Whatever feels good for us. I learned a lot about myself in that time of trying to figure out who I was as a leader. It's really uncomfortable when you want to be the, the best at something or when you want to do your best at something and you feel like you have no clue of how to do that. You might have all the tools, you might have all the resources that you could go to, but none of it really addresses the issue that you're having, which for me was getting comfortable in the sense that one, I was a boss, which meant that I could no longer be the friend that I was before as a coworker. I was now responsible for the work that was being done, which was a lot of pressure. Two, I was responsible for people. The work that they did was secondary to the fact that they were people <laughs> and I wanted them to, to feel like they they were valued and I needed to figure out how I could do that and still feel like I was in control and for some reason felt like I was still the boss. That was uh, something that was very important to me and I'm not sure why. And then three, it was super important to me to have a team, but no one talked about team dynamics. No one talked about culture. No one talked about anything other than the work that had to be done. And so for me to worry about these things felt so foreign because it was almost like, Sarah, why are you worrying about those things? Just show up, be a boss and be be done with it. That's trial by fire. That's what, that's the problem is that nobody tells you what to expect. Nobody tells you that the first thing you need to do is get clear about your leadership style. I truly believe that. And you have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable, which for a person like me is very difficult, but somehow I did it in leadership and I'm trying to figure out how to harness that once again, but I was able to get there and I was able to be okay with making mistakes along the way because I knew at the end of it, my team would really have my back. The problem is that when we get into these positions of leadership, they don't really talk about how you're supposed to delegate, how you, how you feel about delegating, let alone how to delegate. They don't tell you what it's going to be like when you go from coworker to boss and how you should deal with that. They don't tell you how to run team meetings. They don't tell you how to run meetings at all. They don't tell you how to run a one-on-one. And they don't tell you how to make goals or set goals for your team or do follow-up or any of those things. It's they throw you into a position, in my experience, they throw you into a position Say, you got the job, good for you. By the way, here's all the HR stuff, but you can figure out the rest. And so months are spent, (laughs) in my case, months are spent floundering and feeling so unlike yourself 
I cannot tell you how foreign I felt in my own body because I was so uncomfortable with this new position. I was excited for it until I wasn't when I figured out that I didn't know what I was doing and I had no one to go to. Now I know that there are coaches and mentors out there, but I didn't have that then. And I barely had my bachelor's degree and I, they didn't really teach any of that because it was just in business. So I guess my, my whole thing here would be if you're new to leadership, first and foremost, know that you are not alone in the fact that it is difficult. It's, it is difficult. It, don't let anybody tell you that you can walk into a leadership position and know exactly what is needed. Feel exactly like you should and be a boss like you're supposed to be a boss. They're just, they're wrong. The other thing I would say is know yourself. You can find someone who you could look up to to see how thing, how they run their department or how what kind of boss they are. But just know that's not, one, how you have to do it. And two, you might have a whole different take on it and that's okay. You might find that you have to experiment with things. Are you a transformative leader? Are you transactional? Are you in between? Because sometimes I would be in between that as well. So find what fits for you. If being that fun boss fits for you, and to you that that means that you are, your door is always open, your conversations with staff are very lighthearted, but still down to business, and you are the one (laughs) dancing in the aisles and pumping people up, Spoiler alert, that was me. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you less of a boss. And that doesn't make you less of a human. In fact, that makes you more human. Something happens, because it happened to me, when you get a title, it's as if you have this pressure to be something you're not. To be a person on this whole other level. Like you have to act a certain way in order for people to see you as the boss that you now have a title for. And I'm here to tell you that's not necessary. It's not necessary. You can still be you and you can still navigate this new position that you have, this new title. My best advice would be for you is once you figure out what you want to do with it and how you want your style to be, that you open up to your team and you let them be your guide. The work is always there. That never stops. That's the easy part of being a boss, right? The work is always there. How do you leverage the knowledge that you have, the team that you have, the work that needs to be done? That's the other piece of what you'll figure out. But you'll figure out how to do that once you figure out what your style is. See, to me, style is the key to the formula. It's the, it's the special ingredient to what has to happen. You can't do it if you don't know who you are, plain and simple. If you don't know who you are in, inside and what leadership style you have, it's going to be a lot harder to get there. And that's what I learned. I didn't know that I was going through that, but I did. And it was hell but I'm glad I went through it because I figured out that I was okay with not being the same as everybody else. I was okay with being a different leader. 
I survived. In fact, I went on to really enjoy my job. I went on to grow. I went on to make changes. I, I did a lot of cool things, but I had to trust myself first and I had to be okay with being me. Again, it wasn't always that easy, but once I came back to myself, it got a little easier. So that was the time I first became a boss. And that is where a lot of my experience came from. That is why I do the podcast today and why I became a coach. I just think women have something special about them that is so necessary in the leadership world that I just want them to harness it. I I think as women, we have superpowers and we are so needed in, in leadership. No doubt about it. So I hope you enjoyed this. This was, I have so many more stories like this, obviously, but this was really my first introduction into leadership. And I was so awkward that looking back on it, I just cringe a little, but I was so glad that I went through it. And so if you're going through the same thing right now, let's talk. I would love to talk to you about how how things are coming along. And if you need anything, just reach out to me. I will have my information in the description. And I'm working on some really great trainings that I'm hoping to, you know, have available here very soon. Really dive into some of these subjects that (laughs) we don't really get a chance to talk about. So thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.